Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, I'm very excited because we have some good friends, Steve and Stacy Parker, who are going to be on the show. And Heidi, introduce them, will you? Good friends of yours. Stacy Parker. Hello. Hi. We know them well. They've been on shows with us in the past. They are a great couple, a dynamic duo. And uh, Steve and I served on the National Board of Directors for the Compassionate Friends for many years, and it was great. He's wonderful. So I got to know him, and then through him, I got to know Stacy. Um, they've been very involved in Compassionate Friends. They also ran a conference in Los Angeles several years ago. Remember, Mom? That's when we first met yeah. them. So they ran the conference, and what year was it, Stacy? In 2004. In 2004. And the reason that they are members of the Compassionate Friends is because, unfortunately, they're also brief parents, Mom, as you know. Yep. Their little girl, Alyssa, died at the age of two in 1997. And since that time, they have devoted a lot of time to helping other parents heal after loss. Stacy is a volunteer at our house in Los Angeles and on the Cedar sinai Medical Center and UCLA Mattel Children's Hospital Board as a patient advocate. And she has just written this book, as you said, and it is called Grief as a Second Language. So welcome to the show, Stacy and Steve. Thank you so much. Thank you. So great to see you guys. Well, grief is a second language. Uh, talk about that a little bit. What, is it, what does that mean? Just the, even the title is provocative. Yeah, so the title actually is not my own. Um, it is a, it's part of a series of books yeah. and the publisher has written several. It really is like learning a new language when you are grieving because everything is different. What about defining your grief? I think I guess the, the first level of grief is a second language is that um, I know for a lot of guys, just starting the process, I think that was a very hard thing for me is to come to grips and reality. And, and I prolonged uh, the beginning of my grief. And that's where compassionate friends helped me out so much is that it was a place where I could begin the process and begin to learn and understand and kind of find my path. So um, I think uh, uh, accepting it, uh, grief is a second language as the book, um, provides tools. And I think it's just a way to get started um, because I think the process is not defined by a roadmap that we all follow. Um, which is evident between uh, Stacy and I, and I'm sure all of us, we did, did it differently. And as Stacy and my grief was, you would say exactly the same, but our roads were very different. And you have to kind of, you have to find your road. So I think some of the examples and exercises from me reading the book kind of gets you to think about, you know, getting on the path because you can't, you can't heal until you get on the path. And I think some people put it off for a very long time. I was fortunate only to put it off a little time and bringing it back to, as a man, we're supposed to bury it and move on, like not literally, figuratively. 
um, our feelings, we're not supposed to cry, all the things men aren't supposed to do um, hurts the grieving process because until you accept it and let it out, you cannot move forward and learn your second language and how to adapt and, and as we've always talked about, our new normal because normal will never be the same as a second language is really you're you've kind of been thrown into this new situation and so defining it is really for me it's what will help it, me or you or you know people or individual move forward with their pain and so it's not something obviously that is you know automatic it's an incredibly gradual thing that takes a very long time so um, how, did you, how did you get started personally Personally, <laughs> personally, I barely moved initially, and then I had a panic attack about a month in, and I realized I was not functioning, and so I, I didn't function for the first couple months, I think. It was really day by day, moment by moment initially, um, and then it was little goals, like um, there was a yoga teacher that I liked at our gym, and so I would say, okay, if I do nothing else today, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to yoga. And um, you know, if I took a shower, that was a big deal. <laughs> um, and so it, it just started slowly. And then friends would ask me to come out or my mom would come over. And so slowly I would kind of do little things. And, and then it just kind of, it went from a little bit to a little more and then a little more. And, and so that's kind of where, where I started. How did you get involved with our house? It had been probably about 10 years after Alyssa died. And I knew someone who was on the board and they said, you know, what do you think? Do you want to give back? And I thought, okay, am I ready? Okay, maybe, you know. So I went through their uh, training. They have a, a couple day training and they put me with the group of four to seven year old kids who had lost a parent. And I, I was kind of surprised initially. I thought, I'm not going to work with bereaved parents. And, but it ended up being a really good experience. Um, and it also taught me that, you know, even if you're little, even if you're older, I mean, everybody grieves and they grieve in their own different way. I wanted to loop back to something that Steve said, because he said that he and Stacy grieved differently. And I love how you guys are together because we rarely have two, a couple at the same time together. So I'm just curious on Steve, how did you guys do, and you can both answer this, but how did you grieve differently than Stacy? <laughs> uh, like, like everything we've done in our lives, we do things yeah. dynamically different. Right. Um, our situations were very different. I mean, obviously our loss was identical. Um, Stacy, Alyssa was a, a child that had special needs and physical challenges and doctors and and of course, Stacy dug in and, and became uh, a registered nurse without, you know, without a degree. Yeah, right. Um, and, and, and just did what she had to do to make Alyssa's life as good as possible. And uh, we did everything for her. And that really was Stacy's doing. So when, when Alyssa passed, Stacy was left with sitting in an empty house and I had to go to work. Uh, that's just what, you know, our roles were very different. So I, I think it really hit her right between the eyes because every minute of every day was concerned with Alyssa. Of course, I had my concerns, but it wasn't my job. It was my, you know, that was my, you know, so for me, um, and again, I think being a guy, this is probably a guy thing is that it was, it, I don't know that I could have dug in right away. So the easiest thing for me to do was to dive somewhere else and, and have my diversion. 
um, that took me about six or eight months and, you know, compassionate friends, as we've talked about, you know, um, I went kicking and screaming, but felt the need not only to go for the first couple years and, and learn and do, but then the following five years-ish, we ran the support group. So it was um, just, again, for me, getting on the path was, I think, harder. Stacy, I think, was slammed into the path. Yeah. And, and handled yourself into work and then eventually found TCF. But like you said, and we see this all the time when we interview people, Stacy, you lost your job because taking care of a sick child is a full-time job. And like you said, you're a nurse without, you know, you knew more about her health probably than most of the people that worked with her, the professionals. Right. Right. Yeah. It was, it was a big adjustment for me because I was her caregiver and, um, and so, and then when she was my, also my only child at the time. So I had this kind of emergency where I thought there what, what's my reason for living I mean she I was trying to get, keep her alive and trying to keep her happy and I felt like my job my job and my life had been taken away mm-hmm. so it gets me into where angels fear to dread you have two kids now what about intimacy what about getting together was that hard at first yes <laughs> for me it was it was because I felt uh it was hard to do anything that was pleasurable. I mean, I guess I felt, I felt like, like, you know, just laughing and doing, you know, just the normal things was really difficult in the beginning. But I mean, it, it, it was a slow process, like everything else, just kind of getting back into a little routine or whatever. But, um, but I know for me, it was a little bit difficult. I think initially, really all I wanted was a hug and just to feel close to somebody and not to necessarily have it lead to anything. Um, So I would say just take it really slow, try and be open and talk about it. Um, Do a lot of holding hands and hugging and reassuring each other that you're there for each other. I think that's probably my best suggestion. It's a difficult situation because on, on some level, you know, when you're thrown into that vortex of, awfulness that it's one of those things that is supposed to make you happy and there's a guilt that comes with being happy i think that's mm-hmm. part of the challenge is that it t- took me a long time to hear her laugh and, and remember her smile and do anything that brought me any happiness because i you would feel guilty about being happy you want to be sensitive as a man looking at your wife um, in this situation, I guess you always want to be, but it's, uh, I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a big challenge and you will, and you need to get there. Otherwise you probably won't be going forward together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, baby steps need to happen. And I think to Stacy's point that she made, if you start by holding hands and you start by hugging and reassuring, it probably comes sooner rather than later. You said, or you won't go forward, which I love you two together. You've got two other kids, boy and a girl, darling. And But the thing is, people are so scared. Heidi and I have so many people mention to us that they're afraid they'll get divorced, right, Heidi, after a loss? Absolutely. Because people are telling them that they might. Also. Right, because people say the statistics are really high. Yeah. 
Well, you know what? They're not. Nobody even knows what the statistics are. And, and I have read so many divorce books or books where it starts at, or grief books where professional people like Heidi and I are saying you are at risk for divorce. And I have talked to so many people whose therapists tell them that. And, you know, that's kind of the last thing you want to hear. Well, exactly. Yeah. And the reality is that, that every marriage could have a divorce. So, you know, it's, I mean, you know, what 50% of all marriages end in divorce, but just because you've had the loss of a child doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to get a divorce. No. And you may have had problems before, you know, I mean, there are just so many factors, but I love that you two are together and you're darling together and you have a fabulous family. One of the other things that I, and I also talk about this in the book is that because people grieve so differently and Steve and I grieve so differently, there has to be a period of time, I think in the beginning where you both allow each other to do what you need to do to get through your pain. Um, and I think that's what really helped us is that, um, I mean, he went like went back to work. He did his thing. I had to, had to do my thing. But um, it, I mean, it did. We kind of went away and then back together um, at some point. But um, if you don't allow your significant other to grieve the way they need to, it causes resentment and it's very painful. I think for the relationship. I also I also remember. I don't remember a lot of things and what people said to me and this and that and. Stacy's mom is uh, a social worker mm -hmm. who specializes in grief. Oh, wow. I, for whatever reason, I just remember her saying, you have to do this separately and you have to let each other. And it resonated with me. And it's just one of those things that it, it's spot on. Mm -hmm. And I think if you don't, um, I think, and, and patience and tolerance, which, you know, um, is something you have to have. Um, and then the end goal of being together. Because if you don't have those things, it won't come all the way back around. It's a, sometimes it might even be easier just because you, you grieve so separately. Grieving's a, a lonely process. So by, so, but you, you do want and need it to come back. I think that's, that, makes, that helps the process. Right. Well, Stacy, where can people get your book, Grief is a Second Language? Because uh, people have been watching this and you've got some great advice. My book is on Amazon. Thank you so much for being on the show today and for everything that you guys do for the world. Thank you. And thank you guys. Us. You guys are awesome. And just if you go on Amazon, look up grief is a second language and you'll see. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Steve and Stacy. We adore you guys. Love, Love you. Love you. Thank you for everything and all what you guys do for the community. And we want to thank everybody for watching this show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.